Can you handle the truth? Then join me at A Dose of Truth Podcast, where I, Nurse Colette, discuss many unknown realities of what has been going on throughout the COVID pandemic. Tune in today to find out more and what you can do to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time it is for you. I hope it's a good one and I appreciate you listening. I am so excited for my guest today, Jill Hines. She is a woman I look up to so much and has had a major impact on our health freedom here in Louisiana. She is my source on all things related to health freedom, new bill proposals, who our legislators are, who is on our side of freedom in the political realm. I know so many people hear the word politics and they want to run or say, oh, I don't do politics, etc." I know I've been that person before and I still struggle with that because I think just we've been taught that the word politics is like a no-no, don't talk about it. But I want everyone to listen today to understand just how important being involved is and what that looks like and what you can do to help because we need you and our children need you. A little bit more about Jill. Uh, Jill Hines is the co-director of Health Freedom Louisiana since the summer of 2019. Health Freedom Louisiana is a consumer and human rights advocacy organization that recognizes that health decisions are best left to the individual without any threat of coercion. The pandemic response has offered a unique opportunity to raise awareness of the importance of bodily autonomy. Jill has advocated for legislation protecting parental rights and bodily autonomy for the last three legislative sessions and considers every opportunity to educate our legislators or our fellow Louisianians of victory. In the beginning of all this, many could see where all of this was going. So Jill and her team started this fight early on, fighting for bills to be put in place to prevent things like vaccine passports, discrimination based off of vaccine status, etc. I know we've already dealt with some of that and are still dealing with that. Jill was one of the ones that I would turn to when I started to see some questionable things at the hospital. I was thankful that we had great connections to other nurses throughout Southeast Louisiana to compare notes with each other. Jill has always encouraged bravery to speak up and speak truth, but she never pushed me, and I so appreciated that. I would always... uh just tell her it's too hard, it's too risky. But one day after many challenging circumstances, I realized I needed to put my excuses of what may happen to me and trust God and speak my truth. And thankfully it was because Health Freedom Louisiana, I even knew I had this opportunity to speak and testify at the state capitol about what I and my colleagues were seeing in the hospital. Through attending some of the committee meetings at the Capitol, it truly opened my eyes and showed me how much work she and her team put in behind the scenes for us, fighting for us and our freedom. This also opened my eyes to some of the corruption happening in our legislation. If you like your health freedom, you should thank Jill and her team. So thank you, Jill, so much for being on A Dose of Truth and for all your efforts to fight for body autonomy. 
Oh, Colette, thank you so much. That's such a sweet introduction. And, you know, I think that you are just the bomb. I mean, you did such a, a wonderful job introducing me, but having watched you on Facebook and our little chat group, I admire you so very much. And speaking of, you know, speaking out at the Capitol and whatnot, I meant to look and see how many shares your testimony at the Capitol got, because we put it up on our Facebook page and it went like gangbusters. It's been around the world, I think, about 10 times. It was so phenomenal. You're yeah. such a nice person. Oh, thank you so much. I was definitely a little blown away. I remember I was like, wait, I'm not even sure. I didn't even know this was being recorded. And now it's it's everywhere. <laughs> no, that was definitely my first taste of uh, stepping out and uh, what that could look like. But I do feel like you know, God protected me through the whole thing and led me to it. Jill's been in this fight for a while. Jill, let us know how you got started in all this and involved with the political legislative process, because it can be overwhelming, especially to someone who maybe strays away from that process. So what does that look like? (laughs) Okay, so I actually got started in this several years ago. We lived in Georgia. Backtrack just a little bit. I grew up in Louisiana. My dad was military. We were stationed at Barksdale, graduated from Bossier High. My husband and I lived in Ruston for about 15, 16 years, I guess, after we graduated from tech. And then his job took us to Florida for a couple of years and then to Georgia for about eight years. So we were out of the state for about 11 years. And I actually actually started working in advocacy when we lived in Georgia. My children were just a tad bit older. I was having some health issues of my own that started me kind of on a a journey kind of looking for alternatives to what the doctor was recommending for me. I didn't want to do what he wanted to do. And so once you start reading articles about how to heal your body. It just goes from there. Mm -hmm. And once you know what your body is capable of doing without interference from conventional medicine and whatnot, and I know, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I know that you're a believer. I'm a believer. I love the Lord. And I think that he has created us with an immune system that, I mean, we have, we have no idea what it's capable of really, you know, he is so to have given us the immune systems that we have. And so I I actually started exploring that. I read this fantastic book called What the Bible Tells Us About Healthy Living. And that just kind of took me on another kind of journey about health and and regards to my religion and my faith. And so um, all of that to say is I just started researching. And once I started researching, there was really no going back to the way we lived prior to all of that. Yes. It um, helped me to realize too that my children had experienced some harm that was not brought to my attention when they were vaccinated when they were when they were younger. Because of course my children were vaccinated when they were when they were babies. And but having again researched a little bit and going back and thinking about their their infancy and their childhood, I realized that they had experienced some harm. And it it kind of put me on a path. Uh, I, there's no way really that I could have done this if it had not been a calling from God. Not a way, first of all, to make friends when you speak out (laughs) (laughs) on a topic that's so unpopular and just raising awareness to, you know, the the possible harms associated with a medical intervention. It does not, you know, bring people to your doorstep. Um, I 
I was losing friends. Um, I was, uh, you know, ostracized, you know, that pejorative that people mm. like to add to your name and your um, uh, anti-vaxxer and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. people didn't realize, of course, that I vaccinated my children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I was, I'm not anti because I didn't. So right, right. right. So anyway, I started speaking out on social media about what I was reading and learning in regards to health and nutrition and what scripture says about how God intends for us to live our lives and to honor him with our bodies and whatnot. And um, that kind of, while I did lose friends in that process, I also gained some really good like lifelong soulmates and uh, I found a woman named Sandy Marcus in Georgia who was sharing similar stories and she invited me to be on her board of her organization called the Georgia Coalition for Vaccine Choice. So I served on her board for a couple of years in Georgia until my husband's job took us back to Louisiana in 2018. But Sandy had worked in advocacy for years. She was in another advocacy organization before she she founded the Georgia Coalition. And man, she um, she took me to the Capitol, and it it was just like gangbusters from then on out. And I'll I'll never forget. We had an advocacy day in Georgia. And Robert Kennedy Jr. came and um, spoke to the legislature up there. And she wanted him to speak to their chair of their health and welfare committee. And her name was Sharon Cooper, uh, Representative Cooper. And uh, Representative Cooper was standing in the hallway. Robert Kennedy Jr. was standing at the other end of the hallway. And she said, go ask her if we can have a few minutes of her time. And it was kind of like throwing somebody into a pool. You know, you're either going <laughs> to sink or swim. Uh-huh. And so sure enough, I just walked down and, and asked this representative if we could have a few minutes of her time. And she said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was out. But at the same time, like you never know what you're going to get if you don't ask, you know, we might have gotten a yes, we we never would have known. So Sandy was fantastic about taking me under her wing, showing me around the Georgia State Capitol. I kind of got familiar with all of that. And then we moved back to Louisiana in 2018. Going from Georgia to Louisiana, it's a whole new animal. So in 2019, we just decided to incorporate it as a business, as an LLC, change the name, um, expand our scope just a little bit and make it Health Freedom Louisiana. Which I love really encompasses all of your health freedom. Like you at the end of the day should always have the choice of what happens. Right. You. Right. Um, Exactly. And, and who knew just a few, what, six or seven short months later, we would be talking about not just um, our freedoms in regards to our choices in vaccination, but masking, social distancing is a health requirement. I mean, all of that, hand sanitizing, all of that came into play under the umbrella of Health Freedom Louisiana. So we really did expand our reach uh, very, very quickly after we incorporated. I was like, man, they just going after all of it. (laughs) (laughs) We did. And then, you know, we started because we were so, we're so censored. I mean, if you mention the word vaccine on social media, it's like, boom, you're shadow banned automatically. Yeah. 
So we started a grassroots effort in April of 2020 called Reopen Louisiana and um, started a whole new social media outreach with that, used some letterhead, um, because we really thought we were having two different purposes here. One was to reopen the state and draw people in, too, to the idea that their their freedoms were being infringed upon and then kind of keep that separate from Health Freedom Louisiana. But it just kind of merged very, very, very quickly. So, uh, yeah, so we started Reopen Louisiana, too. And and that was um, that has been a tremendous endeavor that has brought in so many. I call them COVID silver linings, like so many people that I would have never met in a million years if I had just kept it to Health Freedom Louisiana, like um, state former state representative Woody Jenkins, Connie Zimmerman comes to mind. She was one of the first that helped me plan rallies and stuff like that down at the state capitol. One of our members of Health Freedom Louisiana that has really, really helped me tremendously with Reopen is Brittany Sherlin. So, I mean, all of these people have become so central in my life over the last couple of years because of Reopen Louisiana, too. So, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of years. I'll say. So, so what exactly do you do with Health Freedom Louisiana? I incorporated with uh, Fiorella Trapani mm. and Love Ashley. Her. Yes. And, <laughs> so Fiorella Trapani and Ashley Houston are my two co- two other co-directors. So amazing. Those two women are so intelligent. <laughs> they are incredibly intelligent. So, um, so I work with some really like freaking talented women. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, so talented and incredibly courageous to just like step out and do what they do. Now, what we do depends on the part of the year that we're in, yeah. <laughs> you know, legislative session and, and leading up to the legislative session. It's nothing but legislation. It's bills, working with legislators, getting our message out meetings. I can't even tell you how nonstop it is. And of course, this year was insane because we we started the session tracking over 50 bills that had to do with health freedom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last year we had five. So if that tells anything, I mean, it was just nuts how crazy this year has been. But so it's not just us that yeah. we're are heavily invested in the idea of health freedom. We had legislators coming out of the woodwork with bills and we were just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But at the same time, some of them were really bad bills. You know, Mm -hmm. some of them we had to reach out to legislators and just say, look, we're not going to be able to support this. And this is why, can we help you tweak it somehow to, to make it um, to where we can support it. But I mean, it has kept us so incredibly busy. And then, the, of course, there was legislation that we really wanted um, legislators to carry for us. So finding the perfect legislator for the, the right piece of legislation. So it really, what we do really just kind of depends on the, the time of year when we're out of session. Like right now, we're trying to get message out to people about their exemption rights, because in summertime, you know, getting letters from school saying you have to do this, you have to do that. And we want people to know what the law is. Right. 
what their rights are in regards to the law. So we're trying to get messaging out about that. We're also trying to, because we're not in state session, we're trying to work with federal legislators to work at the federal level. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, to get our, a package together to take to our federal legislators. You know, what's the right legislation do we want to take to the federal level? And, and is it opposing anything that anybody else is trying to do at the federal level? So, you know, we're coordinated with several groups groups across the country, national groups. And we just want to make sure that that we're all working together towards the same goal because it just makes it, you know, makes life a little bit easier when we're not opposing somebody else's legislation or, you know, it's in in contradiction to it or something. Right. So, yeah, so that's really what we're doing. We're either advocating um, legislatively or we're working with the public to inform them of their rights. We're fixing to um, have what we call conversations, coffee or cocktails um, locally. I feel like that speaks to everybody. (laughs) Right? Right. It's so funny because I was just going to do coffee and conversation and Fiorella's like, uh, no, let's add some adult beverages in there Yeah, you're going to need a little bit of uh, push for that sometimes. (laughs) Right, right, right. But we really want to bring people in from across the state and meet them face to face because with so many of them we con- we're in contact with have never seen what yeah. what do they look like. So we're really hoping to to network a little bit better while we're out of session. It's almost impossible to do it while we're in session. So yeah, that's what we do. We we answer questions almost constantly through our inbox or through our social media. To, I mean, it's just nonstop. Last week or week week before last, I think it was, we, I was at the LAGOP convention down in Lafayette and someone introduced me to somebody that needs help. So that starts another ball rolling as far as research and reading, reaching out to legislators and um, trying to help somebody. So it's just, I can't even stress this enough. It's nonstop work. Oh. I know. So I wish y'all could know Jill. Gosh, she, one of the most impressive ladies and then her heart. And then just literally y'all, it is so much effort. And when I kind of started to really understand how much effort they're doing for like you, like so many people are like, Oh, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 this involves you. And if you're thankful that you have that choice of what to put inside of your body, you should probably want to maybe just, I don't know, little bit involved, which, which honestly, that's, I'm so glad we're talking because again, like I already said, you know, I hear politics and be like, Oh no, 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 I don't want to do that. I hate them all. And I don't even like our government, any of it, none of it. So I get where people are coming from because I'm that person, but I want to break this process down for people. Cause I feel like so many really don't understand the whole process. Like just hearing the word legislator, who exactly is that? You know, how are these bills being passed? Who's writing the bills? Um, Can anybody write a bill? What's the importance of them? Um, And then mostly, which we'll talk in a minute, but of course, how can people contribute to that? Um, Which that could be another, because I want to talk a lot about that too. So. (laughs) Okay, so so how does somebody get started? Well. Uh, we have um, a tab on our website. Our website is healthfreedomla.org and we have an advocacy 101 tab. So it it literally just kind of lays out the process. And I I recently spoke at um, an event in Atlanta 
And it was kind of giving an overview of how, you know, somebody gets involved in all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I told him, I said, it, it takes a civics re- refresher. <laughs> and, you know, thank God I've been a homeschool mom for, you know, 14 years. So I, I've studied this with my kids. Uh (laughs) Yes. But as I mentioned earlier, when you go in from one state to another, it's like a whole, it's a whole new process. So anyway, try to be um, very generous with people when we're giving them instructions. Like if, if I want you to contact a legislature, a legislator, I'm I'm usually very specific. You know, we have a, a fantastic advocacy portal that just really puts all the information right in front of you all you have to do advocacy 101 everybody (laughs) yes the tab you want to click on and then our campaigns um all you have to do is put in your your address and it will pull up your legislators that we want you to communicate with and we'll put in a letter that you can send to them because we, I understand, you know, my husband works and he does not have the time that I do to invest in all of this. Mm -hmm. I know that he would appreciate a letter already being written for him that he can send that explains the situation and what we want our legislators to do in regards to that situation. So we do, we have this fantastic portal where people can just put in their email address or their address and it'll pop up there. You know, and it depends on the campaign, you know, during the legislative session, we, we, we didn't do all 50 bills that we were tracking, but for our most important bills, we would put in um, a little ex- explanatory um, paragraph and, um, you know, just the option for them to send a message to it and whatnot. But it really does take becoming familiar with your state, your local legislative process, you know, your school boards, your city councils, you know, COVID made us aware that all of those entities touch health freedom in some aspect, your school board, your local city councils, your parish presidents. I mean, parish presidents were implementing mask mandates too. You know, it wasn't just the governor, it was local um, municipalities that were doing it as well. So people really need to be in touch with their with every elected official, everybody that they cast a ballot for, I would be in contact with that person, ask them what their stance is on health freedom. Be specific about it. What are you concerned about? Is it vaccine mandates? Is it mass mandates? Is it federal mandates? Like what are, what are your concerns in regards to health? Even if it's you know, mosquito abatement and somebody spraying, you know, chemicals going down your street. That's a health freedom issue. The fluoride in your water, all of these have to do with the health Mm -hmm. and they're they're actually medicating you. They're, if you want to call it medication or poison or whatever, but they're doing that against without informed consent. Nobody's asking you if they can spray chemicals on, you know, in front of your yard or mm-hmm. the chemicals in your water. So whatever your issue is in regards to health freedom, make sure that you're anybody that you cast a ballot, that you have a conversation with them about that and, and be familiar with what their job um uh, entails. Every elected official, their job is is written in statute. Like there's a state law that actually defines what like a school superintendent can do. So uh, everybody's job is written in law, is in the statute. So be familiar with what their what their job is. You know, so many people over the last couple of years were like, why isn't A.G. Landry doing this? I'm like, well, it's not his job. Look in the statute and see what his job is. Right. 
So yeah, so it's just a civics refresher. Know, um, know your local government, know the difference between that and federal government, how both of those entities impact health freedom. And as a citizen, just be involved as much as you can. Attend meetings, reach out to those people that are that you're going to cast about a ballot for. And that's one of the things that we found, especially over the last two and a half years, is that I mean that that vote is is an honor to those people. Don't honor them with that vote if you don't know exactly what their actions are going to be after you cast that ballot. Because mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things that we found is that people will say something and do something completely different. Yes, and I feel like that's why people have grown to hate all government because I don't trust any of them. I mean, quite yeah. honestly, people are always like, oh, but Colette, they said this, they said this. I'm like, and did they do that? Like. Yeah. Governor Edwards, mm, and like I, I voted for him, and I'm actually a tip. I'm a Republican, not anymore. I'm not anything anymore. I don't even know what I am anymore. Um, yeah. But I used to identify as a Republican, mm-hmm. but I voted for him because I still felt like he was. He had a lot of the same beliefs that I did, or at least that I thought, shall yeah. I say? And you know, one of them being health freedom, and so he is the opposite of health freedom. And, you know, now I don't, I don't trust him at all. I don't, I don't. And that's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, you're this way, that way. I'm like, I'm not anyway. I feel like I'm an independent thinker. And there's some views on this side I agree with and I'm for, and there's other views on this side I agree with I'm for. Um, So, but that is what's frustrating. And then when you do go to vote, you know, they put it in like what the person stands for. They put it in like, not layman's terms. And so you're like, I don't even know what you're voting for. And then you're like, ah, I like your name better. You know, like I'll vote for you. Or one of my friends yeah. said, I vote for a woman. Cause that's my, that's my power yeah. move. And that comment oh right there actually blew my mind. I'm like, do you, you are a woman. So I know that, you know, other terrible women, like some women, just like some men are not good people. So why would you, because she's a woman, but is she a good woman? Is she yeah. an honest woman? Is she like, let's look at who she is, not just if she's a woman, because that doesn't mean right. anything to me. Yeah. Never vote for somebody because of their physical characteristics. Right. <laughs> or their personality, guys. Yes. Please. Yes. Personality. Yes. Yeah, that does not yeah. Do their their character like really dive into their beliefs on on issues, mm-hmm. um, and and, I, and you know some people that we probably admire still have um, reservations about people having liberty when it comes to vaccinations. Like I'm I'm still surprised at this point that we're we're meeting um, resistance in the legislature about people saying um, you can't do this to my body. You know, you can't take away my job, and my education, unless you do this to my body. That's wrong. That's a violation of human rights. But we have people that are arguing for that in the legislature, and it just blows my mind. I know. And I really think, at least I have to believe that it's just because they are, quote unquote, misinformed. Everybody's misinformed, right? According to some people, I am misinformed. And then according to others, you're misinformed. So that term, I feel like, is getting slapped around all over the place. But what really is frustrating is that I feel like some of those people truly believe it's for the greater good. And I don't get down with for the greater good. And I want people to really think about that comment. And it's all about the greater good until it affects 
your greater good until yeah. it affects your child, your loved one, you yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it should never be about the greater good because that's when things can get really um sloppy okay. and messy. And go read a history book. Like, <laughs> no, it's a scary term. I'm like, who argues for the greater good? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's it, besides Spock, you know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it is a terrifying term and, and so many historical atrocities were caused because or justified mm-hmm. because of that phrase, the greater good. Right. And we're still fighting that, that mindset. People were throwing around that term in health and welfare. I mean, I don't, I can't remember if I heard it this year, but I know we did in 2020 when we were, you know, uh, advocating for certain legislation to pass in 2020, they literally said the greater good. And I was like, Oh, well, my, my chief of medicine told me that that was his yeah. no collective uh, the greater good. So let's ignore yeah. all this other stuff that's happening because it's for yeah. the greater good. Ah. Right. No, no, no. There's like literally treaties on human rights that speak to, um, you know, you don't do you don't do things for the greater good. Individual rights and individual freedoms take priority over. I think it's UNESCO's bio, uh, UNESCO's Declaration of Bioethics and Human Rights that actually speaks to that, that an individual's rights has is greater than a community's rights. And and this is the part that's bothered me, especially especially over the last two and a half years, is um, a child's rights. We're not going to do anything to a child to protect an adult. I mean, that literally just, I just want to pull out my hair when I hear somebody saying, oh, but we need to vaccinate a child because he may get his grandmother sick. And I'm like, "Uh, no, 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 no. That child is not a great a guinea pig for his grandmother. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. spoke to that when he came to the Capitol for that December 6th hearing. And he it was uh, he put it so eloquently, but he said, you know, never in human history have we sacrificed our children for the elderly. That is so against, uh, you know, our, our our natural urgings. We're, we're, we're here to protect our children. We're not to use them as a human shield. Terrorists use children as a human shield, not free thinking adults. So anyway, yeah, so that's a, it's a, that's a human rights violation that most people just, um, don't understand when they're using that uh, greater good argument. Right, yeah. right. So I'm glad we got to touch on that. So what exactly is a legislative process? So I know like the health and welfare meetings, but you did mention to me earlier an override session. So can you tell me yeah. a little bit about like the actual legislative session, like the meetings and such, um, yeah. and then the override yeah. session? Okay, sure. So for a bill to be introduced and to be passed, it it can be introduced either by um, a representative in the House of Representatives, Mm -hmm. or it can be introduced by a senator. So we have two chambers. We have the House and we have the Senate. So a a bill can start in either chamber. The majority of our bills this past legislative session started in the House, meaning it was carried by a representative. Mm-hmm. And so what it what a bill's uh, path, if you will, starts in the chamber where it's introduced. Mm-hmm. So um, and they're usually assigned a committee. So for example, we had um, it was such an interesting year because we had so many bills. We were in in like we were in criminal justice. 
Like that's insane that a health freedom bill would be in criminal justice. We, uh, we, yeah. we usually, you know, make, yeah, we usually make our way to like health and welfare or education, but we were in front of criminal justice this year. So um, I think it was representative Bagley's bill that started in criminal justice. It has to pass out of that committee, receive a majority vote in committee, and then it'll go to the floor of that chamber. So it went to the House floor for a vote, and it has to receive a majority vote in the House. Mm -hmm. And then it'll go to the opposite chamber's committee. So the Rep. Bagley's bill, after it passed the House, it went to the Senate Criminal Justice Committee. It passed there with um, a majority vote. And then it had to go to the Senate floor for another vote. So it, it has to go, it has four hurdles that it passes in the legislature. And then once it passes the legislature, it goes to the governor's desk. Okay. And the governor can either, yeah, the governor can either leave it on his desk and it goes into law without his signature. He can sign it into law or he can veto it. And so of our 50 plus bills um, that we were tracking this year, not all that we were in favor of, but we were tracking approximately 50 plus bills, 52, I think. And um, of those, we had three that crossed the finish line, meaning it made all made it past all four hurdles mm -hmm. and it went to the governor's went to the governor's desk. And of course, all three of them have been vetoed by the governor. Yeah. So, so once the governor vetoes a bill, it, it triggers, it automatically triggers a veto session. So 40 days after the legislative session ends, and it ended on June 6th, so 40 days after June 6th, there's going to be an override session unless they have, um, they do a, a ballot process. So all the legislators are given a ballot on whether or not they want the override session to proceed. So it, it's automatically triggered. They're already planning for it to take place in mid-July. Unless the legislative body, each member, if they send in a ballot and a majority members of the legislators send in a ballot in opposition of the override session, it does not proceed. So what we're doing right now is we're trying to get legislators not to send in that ballot. Now, do we have um, um, high hopes that it's going to happen? Actually, no, we don't. Our first two bills that were vetoed did not pass the House and the Senate with a two-thirds majority. So when it goes into an override session for the bills to, for the legislature to override the governor's veto, they have to vote with a two-thirds majority. Um, and so um, those yeah, those two bills didn't make it out of the legislature with a two-thirds majority. They made it out with a majority but not a two-thirds majority. So we didn't have high hopes of, uh, we weren't even going to ask for an override session with those two, uh, the first two bills that were overridden or vetoed, excuse me. And then last week, the governor vetoed the, the last bill. We were hoping it would make it through with, you know, slide under his radar and it didn't. Um, it's a very, it was a very obscure bill. We didn't really advertise for it. We didn't put out any campaigns for it or anything. It was a simple bill that um, it changed the administrative rule changes. The administration is able, so for example, LDH did an administrative rule change to add the COVID shot 
to the required list for school attendance last September. Yes. They did that through administrative rules. Okay, so Representative Kathy Emerson, what she did was she introduced legislation that Mm -hmm. would require the entire legislature to be informed if there is an administrative rule change, like like LDH did last September, because with last September and they followed, they did their they fulfilled their fiduciary duty. LDH did. Now, granted, it was still very underhanded because at the time, if you'll remember last September of 2021, COVID was still rampant. They were still doing um, press conferences almost weekly. They never once mentioned in any of those press conferences that they had added the shot to the school uh, school schedule. Never once mentioned it to the public, to any of the legislators, the press or anything like that. Um, but introducing that administrative rule change, they had to let four members of the legislature know, and they did. They let uh, Speaker Shaq Snyder know, uh, Senate President Paige Cortez, and then uh, Chairman Larry Bagley, he's chair of the House Health and Welfare, and then Chairman uh, Fred Mills, who's chair of the Senate Health and Welfare. So because that administrative rule change had to do with their committees, They were informed of it. But Representative Bagley, during that December 6th hearing, made this comment that they decided not to let the people or the legislatures, the rest of the legislators, know about it so that they could promote those four constitutional amendments that were going on the ballot in November. So they decided to withhold that information from the public and the rest of the legislature. And what it did with any kind of administrative rule change, if anybody questions it, LDH, for example, if anybody questioned this rule change, LDH would have by law been forced to hold a public hearing with questions and answers. And without, yes. I get it now. Yeah. So without having informed the public, we didn't know about it. The legislators that I were, was working with had no idea about it. That They slid by without a public meeting in regards to the rule change. They didn't have to answer any questions about it until, of course, the um, representative Larry Bagley, chair of House Health and Welfare, decided to hold a, a hearing, which by law he can do. So he held that hearing in December. But that's why... Um, uh, Representative Edmonston introduced this legislation that would require the entire legislature to be informed of administrative rule change. And so Governor Edwards vetoed it last week. Now, that bill passed both committees, House and Senate, and both floor votes, House and Senate, with unanimous votes. Unanimous votes. So if it went back into an override session, We feel confident that it would breach a two-thirds majority vote, but we're hearing that um, there are senators that are opposed to an override session. One in particular, um, Senator Rogers Pope, has already said that he's not going to vote against any of the governor's vetoes. And then we heard today that another another senator, Senator Bodie White, is going to be going undergoing some medical um, treatment. So he's not going to be there. Yeah. So it doesn't look like I mean, I don't want to impede people from contacting their legislators. We still want them to contact them and let them know that we want an override session. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. See, And that's like 
what really ruffles my feathers with uh-huh. some of the things that have happened, such as at that hearing that I testified at September 6th. And guys, I want y'all to know that there was so many medical professionals there speaking. I'm talking yes. pharmacists, nurses, doctors, um, just yep. so many people speaking out. And then, uh, I mean, this was like a six hour long with just so many people testifying. And then with all of this, we get a hearing saying that Governor Edwards has already vetoed it before we could even vote on it. And that's when I was like, where's he at? Where's he at up in here? Because I don't see him here listening to these medical professionals speaking out. Like with, with great urgency, I don't hear, I don't see you. So, so it was really disheartening to see who's in, who's in the governor's ear, who's telling him this information. Why does this other Senator not want to go against or vote against anything that, that the governor vetoes? Why, why not? What's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about? And that's what I feel like there's a little too much going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And it's not good stuff. I need a countdown clock for how many days the governor still has an off. <laughs> I cannot tell you it how is excited so I am. About. It is. Okay. It's awful. My goodness. So you mentioned <laughs> LDH a little bit, Jill. Um, what is your thoughts on how LDH has handled the COVID pandemic? And for those, that is the Louisiana Department of Health. That is LDH. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I it, It's been awful. It's been absolutely awful. You know, we touched a little bit on human rights and um, they've just trampled on them. They, uh, starting with the mask issue back in uh, July, I think it was June or July of mm-hmm. 2020 when they implemented, the governor implemented the mask mandate. And at the time, the, the state officer of the Office of Public Health within the Department of Public Health was Alex Bu, mm-hmm. And I remember him, Dr. Alex Bu. I remember him being in a press conference um, and recommending that children put their mask when they're not using it in a plastic bag and putting it in their pocket. And you know, you know I can tell, you know how disgusting that is. Oh, that's what us um, medical right. professionals did with, oh. oh yeah, with our surgical mask and N95 mask. Yeah. We're like, we, we don't have any. And I guess, you know, mm-hmm. best thing you can do, right? But yeah, yeah put it in a little Ziploc baggie. And I yeah. was like, wait a minute. When in medical, mm-hmm. like, like yes. it doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I was taught in nursing school, like how to properly put one on, take yeah. one off. And as soon as you, especially even like a tuberculosis room, you take one yeah. off and you like, don't touch it. You dispose. And then you don't, you, you take your gloves off. And it's like, yeah. so now we're going to put that in a plastic baggie and pretend that those germs on the outside are not sneaking on the inside. And then we're going to put that back yeah. on our face. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And from, you know, a homeschool mom's perspective, I thought, oh my gosh, that's a fantastic science experiment. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've, oh done, yes. we've, we've licked bread and we put it in a Petri dish and we put it away for a week and we brought it back out and we see how disgusting it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
not people aren't going to be washing the masks. So y'all, I'm just making a little interjection as we clearly had a lot to talk about on this one. We are going to continue the rest of this show next week or the following week as part two, where we will discuss more fun, controversial topics such as mask use, safety and efficacy of them, and so much more. So stay tuned for the release. And also, if you haven't started following my brand new social media page for A Dose of Truth, please do so now as I will be posting when new episodes are released and more. And you can share any feedback as well. On Facebook, it is A Dose of Truth. And on Instagram, it is A Dose of Truth underscore podcast. Thank you all so much again for listening and all your support. Much love to you all. Thank you for joining me, Nurse Colette, as I break down the walls of healthcare and show you what is happening on the inside. Subscribe today to ensure that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show and want to support us, please share it as this helps us get important content out to even more listeners. See you soon and stay well.